the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two is underway, eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday, the 11th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. We do have open phone lines now until the bottom of the hour, so free-for-all time. Take advantage of it. 216, I try to give this as slowly as I can. People still complain that it goes too fast. Save it in your phone. Write it and stick it on your refrigerator on a Post-it note or under a magnet of your kids playing soccer. Something. Save it. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either number will get you here, and I will go to your phone calls just as soon as I possibly can. But I want to hit you with this. Democrats hate this country. All right? That sounds very, very dramatic and very brazen and very insulting and very rude. What we heard, however, from Ilhan Omar, I call her Jihad Omar, and her partner in crime, literal crime, Rashida Tlaib, I call Sharia Tlaib. Jihad Omar laid bare what we have all known for a very long time. She and her party simply hate this country as it exists. They revile it. They despise it. There just is no other way to say this. When Jihad Omar, the Democratic representative from Minnesota and a charter member of the squad, or the squids, or the whatever you want to call them, she tweeted last week the following. Hang on one second as my screen refreshes. Apologies. She tweeted... We must have the same level of accountability and justice for all victims of crimes against humanity. We have seen unthinkable atrocities committed by the U.S., Hamas, Israel, Afghanistan, and the Taliban. 
I asked Secretary Blinken where people are supposed to go for justice. Now, if you had not heard that quote already from her Twitter account, uh, digest that for a moment, all right? Marinate in that. Yes, she just compared equivalency. She gave equivalency to the United States, Hamas, a terror group, Israel, Afghanistan, a terror-sponsoring nation, and the Taliban, the, the, the religious regime that runs Afghanistan. She just used an equivalency to put the United States and Israel on the same playing field as those terror organization and terror sponsors. To call that insulting is, is an understatement, uh, the understatement of the year. In fact, this was so bad that even Democrats complained. Twelve Democratic representatives on Wednesday, led by Illinois Representative Brad Schneider, issued a statement condemning her accusation, saying, quote, equating the United States and Israel to Hamas and the Taliban is as offensive as it is misguided. Ignoring the differences between democracies governed by the rule of law and contemptible organizations that engage in terrorism at best discredits one's intended argument and at worst reflects deep-seated prejudice. The United States and Israel are imperfect, he wrote, like all democracies at times deserving of critique, but false equivalencies give cover to terrorist groups. We urge Congresswoman Omar to clarify her words, placing the U.S. and Israel in the same category as Hamas and the Taliban. He was joined again by 11 other Democrats. Clearly, there are far, far, far more Democrats in the Congress than 12, which means by the hundreds they supported Ilhan Omar. Twelve Democrats, twelve Democrats, out of their majority in the Congress, just twelve saw fit to not condemn, but to demand clarification from Ilhan Omar. The rest of them had no problem with this. Some of them, including fellow squad members, actually defended her. The majority said nothing, did not condemn her. A handful said clarify those remarks, and another handful defended her, including the aforementioned Sharia Tlaib from Michigan. Quote, freedom of speech doesn't exist for Muslim women in Congress. The benefit of the doubt doesn't exist for Muslim women in Congress. House Democratic leadership should be ashamed of its relentless, exclusive tone policing the Congress, policing of Congresswomen of color. You see what she did there? She did what Democrats do. Changed the subject from the attack on the United States and Israel through her, and, and Sharia Tlaib is about the most anti-Semitic member of Congress, so I'm not surprised there. Changed the conversation which was about Israel and the U.S. being unfairly lumped in with terror groups and changed it to race, religion. It's about Muslim women of color. Why are you attacking Muslim women of color? They changed the, uh, the argument, the issue at hand, and turned it into identity politics. It's why we have critical race theory being taught today. It's why... We continue to see Marxist ideology creep into local and state, and yes, sometimes, especially in the Congress run by these Democrats, federal government policies. Identity politics first. Forget about the issue here, which was calling the United States and Israel terrorist groups. 
Then there's Alexandria Damasio-Cortez. She tweeted, quote, pretty sick and tired of the constant vilification, intentional mischaracterization, and public targeting of Ilhan Omar coming from our caucus. They have no concept for the danger they put her in by skipping private conversations and leaping to fueling targeted news cycles around her. AOC, or ADC, if you use it the way I do it, um, is making the same argument Omar herself is saying that, why are you publicly criticizing her? If you have something to say to her about something she did or said, call her privately. This is what Omar said, and this is what AOC is calling for. But let's explore the stupidity of such a statement. Ilhan Omar didn't make her comments calling the United States and Israel comparable to terrorist groups like Hamas and the Taliban privately. She didn't make those in a private phone call. She tweeted it for millions and millions of people around the world to see. Why on earth would anybody who wanted to question her, criticize her, or clarify for her what she said, why would that have to be kept private? Her slur, her slandering of the United States was public. The response needs to be public. Oh, but you're putting her in danger. After all, she is a Muslim person of color. Therefore, she is beyond reproach. Remember what I told you during the Obama administration. Barack Obama was going to wear his brown skin like a suit of armor. Like an actual knight. The suit of armor protected fighters uh, from uh, uh, from uh, the arrows and the spears that might find their way to them. It just bounced right off. That's what Barack Obama's brown skin was. Any criticism, any arrow of criticism headed his way was deflected by his brown skin as if it were armor. Because if you criticize Barack Obama's policies, what it really means is you're a racist and you hate his black skin. That's what all criticism of Barack Obama devolved into. It was you're a racist, you don't want to have a black president. That has been passed on now to virtually all Democrats, particularly of color. Criticize a person of color in power, it's because they are a person of color in power. Not the policy. You don't, you don't disagree with Ilhan Omar's statement about the United States and Israel being like Hamas and, and, uh, and, and uh, the Taliban. You just don't like this brown Muslim woman. You're a racist. This is what they do. Ayanna Presley, another member of the Squids, stopped the bad faith attempts to take Ilhan Omar's words out of context. She called a simple question. The ICC exists to investigate an exact recourse when human rights are violated. Imagine if Congress was as outraged by what Palestinians endure daily. What do Palestinians endure daily? Nothing that they have not brought on themselves by supporting Hamas the terrorist Palestinian group that attacks Israel on a regular basis. At least when Donald Trump's not in power. Cory Bush, another um, left-wing congresswoman of color. Stop attacking Ilhan MN. Stop attacking us. I'm not surprised when Republicans attack black women for standing up for human rights, but when it's Democrats, it's especially hurtful. When we're your colleagues, talk to us directly. Enough with the anti-blackness and Islamophobia. Again, what's the messaging? 
The messaging isn't about the United States and Israel being called terrorist groups by Ilhan Omar. It's about a response being against a black Muslim. How dare you attack a black Muslim? She just used some of the most anti-Semitic language imaginable, as she always does about Israel. And she called the United States a terror group on par with Hamas. We're not supposed to respond to that? We're not supposed to criticize that? Can I make this very clear? All Ilhan Omar did was lay bare what we have known. She and her party revile, despise, hate the United States of America. And the angry defense of her from the other squids that I just laid out underscores that hatred. It's why they all ran for Congress. To do what? To do what Barack Obama started. To fundamentally transform this country. And what does fundamental transformation mean? It means to destroy this country as it is and rebuild it to their liking. Their socialist, Marxist, communist liking. And why did those 12 Democrats, tiny handful as it is, make their public criticism of of, uh, Ilhan Omar? If Democrats all hate this country, maybe you're asking, why did those 12 Democrats uh, criticize her? And I'll tell you why. It wasn't because they disagreed with her. It's because she let the cat out of the bag. She's being too brazen. She's being too obvious about their hatred for this country as it exists. She called the U.S. and Israel terrorist nations, and that makes all Democrats look bad, so they have to put up a small show of resistance to that. By trying to paint the U.S. and Israel as morally equivalent to their heroes in Hamas and the Taliban and other terror groups, it helps them when they publicly reveal their support for those terror groups, which... Ilhan Omar, Sharia Tlaib have done incessantly. AOC, they've all supported Hamas. And when Israel fires back at Hamas, they claim Israel is violating human rights and killing Palestinian children and civilians. They publicly support terror groups like Hamas and Taliban, the Taliban. And so the only way, the only way to defend that is to declare the U.S. is no better. Israel is no better. And by the way, If I may, the mainstream media didn't even cover Omar's comments, much less the response of support from the other squids. They didn't even think this was worth the time of day. Just like they won't touch Hunter Biden's N-word usage over and over and over again in released text messages. Imagine if this was the son of the former president, if this was Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr., whose text messages were leaked and revealed to have, to have uh, included numerous uses of the N-word. It would uh, generate 24-7 coverage and restart the argument that Trump is the president of white racists and white supremacists and neo-Nazis and so forth. His sons grew up in their father's image using the N-word and hating people of color. But because it's Hunter Biden, not a second of coverage from ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, The New York Times, Washington Post, San Francisco Chronicle, Chicago Trib, Cleveland Plain Dealer. Not a word. Bottom line, racist Democrats hate 
this country and want to tear it down to rebuild a Marxist society in their image. And the only thing stopping them from doing it is us. I hope you're ready to take on that challenge. It's 1022. I'll be right back with your call. Okay, 1026, let's squeeze a few phone calls in here. We're going to start with Lisa, who is calling from Medina. I bet there's a meeting tomorrow somewhere in Medina for Medina County Friends and Neighbors. Good morning, Lisa. What do you got for us? Good morning. There sure is. Uh, tomorrow at the Thirsty Cowboy, we'll have Dan Reginald. Um, you had him on his sh- on the show a few weeks ago. I sure do. Uh, Dan, yeah, Dan is the fellow that's suing the State Board of Education because they wouldn't let him, you know, testify. He He's... Uh, really taken it upon himself to fight critical race theory and educate people as to what's really going on with this. And, you know, there's still people out there that don't know. They don't understand the repercussions of critical race theory, what it looks like, what to look for. So um, this is a big topic because I think it's probably one of the biggest threats um, to, to our republic is continuing to teach kids to hate our country, That's divide, right. uh, yeah, He's a, he's a hero. He's a hero for championing the fight against critical race theory in and of itself. As far as the topic, he's also heroic for challenging the school board. Period. Regardless of what the topic is, because their and as you know from serving on it, Lisa, their power is almost limitless in terms of allowing uh, uh, the indoctrination of our kids in K through twelve to continue in the state of Ohio. So the school board needs to be checked. It needs to allow all testimony from people like Dan, regardless of what the subject matter is. But but it just so happens the subject matter is crucial. Right, right. And, you know, the state board meets Monday and Tuesday, and folks can watch it on the Ohio channel. Uh, Monday and Tuesday and Tuesday, people have uh, a chance to do public participation. Um, if you go to the OD website, uh, there's a way to let them know. They, they want you to uh, give them a heads up by Sunday at 5 o'clock. And uh, there's some of this, uh, you know, it's posted on the website, and I I have that information as well. And I encourage people to, you know, reach out to them. They They can do written testimony if it's offensive to the board, but we really have to change that, don't we? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's really, it's. It, I'm so glad to get, hear that. And uh, people can get that information where it's uh, ODE. Is it uh, ODE dot org or dot edu or whatever? Yes, and I'm, I'll post it. I'll post it on Facebook as well on the McFan um, page. Okay. Um, Yep, and though, yep, ODE is the Ohio Department of Education. And I, I recommend to, to sign up for their, their alerts so that you can see when the meetings are coming and uh, fight back. Fight back a, when you can. That's a great idea, too. It's actually education.ohio.gov is the official. I just looked it up while we were talking. Official oh, Ohio Department of Education <laughs> website, so you can find that. And obviously <laughs> yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow at 8.30 at the Thirsty Cowboy in Medina for uh, Dan Reganold, who will be uh, presenting about what he is doing uh, with this Department of Education challenge. Lisa, thanks so much. Have a great meeting tomorrow. Thank you. All right. you t- uh, Thank you. Have a great weekend. Uh, let's go to BJ in North Olmstead next. Hi, BJ. Thank you, Bob. Uh First of all, I think there is only one group that's caused all these problems to stir it up, and it happened to be white communists. And whether they're Jewish or non-Jewish, it's irrelevant. They are white people, 
and they are socialist in religion and in faith and the destruction of America. Whether it's Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer, it makes no difference. The hatred for what this country stands for and for white people that are conservative or at least family orientated, peaceful orientated, and I'm and I do believe that many of our African American brothers are starting to wake up to this reality, but not enough of them. When they want to come to take the guns, you will have a revolution in this country. But the truth is we have to face the fact that our own white race, that our communists and socialists in Congress are the ones that are stirring this up and allowing this to hatred. That's why these people from the Middle East in Congress have this boldness. They wouldn't have this boldness if it wasn't being tolerated. The toleration of taking down this country has to be faced by the people, peaceful people of this country. And if we don't stand up, and stand up firmly. You young people are going to lose your country and your freedom, and I thank you for your time. BJ, perfectly stated. It is time to stand up. That is exactly what we have been saying. And God bless you. Appreciate your call. Uh, it's 1030. We'll take a time out here for news. We're going to talk to Christina Hagen next. If you're on hold, stay there. I will have time for calls after Christina Hagen. And the first in are the first served. Right here on AM 1420, The Answer. of Democrats. Please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. You know, all of that is true, but strangely enough, it's not me that is killing political correctness uh, at this time of the day on Fridays. It's uh, Christina Hagan. She does it for me. Christina Hagan, former Ohio State Representative, joining us for a discussion of the most newsworthy items of the day. And no, Christina does not engage in political correctness. Good morning, Christina. How are you? And good morning. I'm feeling great because I say what I believe. That's what it's all about, right? That's how it's supposed to be. Uh, Christina, a lot of ground to cover here this morning. Uh, I have not talked about vaxes today. Uh, yesterday was a very heavy uh, discussion point, but I want to talk to you about it today. You comment about this on Facebook as well. Um, and, and I've got a personal story here, too, because i got a son going into college, and they are being encouraged, if not outright mandated, to receive the vaccine. Uh, and, of course, we are pushing back against that. But what you reported, or excuse me, you commented on is a report that I also saw last night. Uh, there are new dangers reported for young people who are being uh, vaccinated with the, um, uh, with the COVID-19 vaccines, particularly uh, young people in Israel. A massive study has been done here. They are developing a heart condition, which is very, very serious. And again, it is happening specifically when young people are vaccinated. And yet here in the United States, numerous colleges are mandating that these drugs be injected into students before they are allowed on campus, whether they're incoming freshmen or returning students, they will not be allowed back on campus unless they have this shot or one of these shots, despite this new evidence that young people could be at serious risk of taking these shots. And you say what? I say this is this is the beginning um, of what we're up against. I mean, I guess it's not. It's been going on for years. We've been seeing this forced mandate mentality where people are not defending their individual rights uh, to personal informed consent, personal medical autonomy, our philosophical rights, our moral beliefs have been hindered for years, and now we're seeing the worst of it. So as you mentioned, I mean, this heart inflammation is nothing to not take completely seriously. 
um, myocarditis does take people's lives and is taking the lives of youth in other countries, yet here we are in this country allowing for our children to be marched into higher education institutions. Um, seeing this data and not reacting to it would be criminal. Um, looking at these numbers, it's possible without, you know, even stretching this politically in any way, shape, or form that healthy people entering our higher education institutions and even more scary, those who are not adults, adolescents in our K through 12 system as they're gearing towards rolling it out to all these younger people and even aiming towards our infants, um, they have desire to give this to our children at six months of age. So it's, the reality is Germany concluded the same thing. Uh, health officials in Canada are, you know, ringing the bell on this. Obviously, Israel, that's far ahead of us on this, they're now um, pointing this out. And, and we're just marching forward, and we're going to see a reality of young people dying or severely medical injured in a way that is criminal because had we left them alone, they would have been a population nearly non-impacted by COVID itself. You know, that's the most frustrating thing about this is, is the children, you know, younger people have a v- extraordinarily high tolerance. If they do get infected, it's very, very minor with any, without very many symptoms at all. And, and the chances are most of them don't, won't get infected at all. But for them to then be forced to be injected by this, which even if we didn't have this new study, you know what, Christina, even if we didn't find out about this heart, this heart situation, which is real, um, well, that was kind of funny. It's, uh, anyway, um, this heart situation, uh, which which is a legitimate concern, just the, the fact that there are so many things we don't know about it, um, should should you know should require some caution on the part of colleges and other places. Rather than saying it's a mandate, saying you know what, it's your choice. Uh, maybe we'll take some steps if you choose not to be. Uh, as far as you know, uh, and again, I don't want to get into separation. I don't want to get into uh, leper colonies separating vaccinated from unvaccinated. But giving people the choice with their own body, particularly when you're talking about the least vulnerable population to COVID-19, which are young people, um, it just seems like common sense to me. And uh, common sense has been thrown out the window by higher education, as it has been in so many other, uh, so many other uh, issues. Absolutely. And I think, you know, transparency and choice and informed consent remain the hallmark and the essence of met- medical ethics. If people cannot choose, they cannot use their own insight, their own medical history to make a decision about their own personal health and their future. And they are forced into a procedure that is invasive and potentially destructive. We no longer have freedom in this country. No. And so no. it's, it's, it's all happening right in front of us. And whether we do something about it or not is up to us. But you think about it, you know, the CDC and the NIH are admitting that nearly half of their own employees and staff are not receiving this vaccine. These are the most educated people or should be the most educated people medically in the world. And nearly half of them have opted out. And we're seeing medical professionals all across the country um, denying their employer uh, the right to force this vaccine into them. And they're protesting and lawsuits are starting up all over the country. But this is, you know, what I would say to young people is to be seriously aware of their own antibodies. You know, get antibodies tests, know where your antibodies are, because it's yep. saying here in the correlation of the studies, if you have high antibodies and you take this vaccine, you're at an even greater risk. And it looks through all the data that young males are at the heightened risk in comparison that's to right. young women. Now, I would say, women, that's not any reason to stop having concerns. 
Um, but definitely ask the questions, definitely do the research. And if it means education later when your rights are protected versus education now, it's better to be alive and well and able to be educated than to take a risk that might compromise your personal health in the near future. All of this could be undone uh, as far as mandates by schools or employers or business owners or, uh, you know, event organizers and so forth, requiring people to have vaccinations if House Bill 248 became law. Uh, this is my segue, Christina Hagan, into Mike DeWine yesterday, or excuse me, uh, Wednesday, who said, It's important to remember what great strides have been made and how our lives have changed for the better by vaccines. Vaccines are just so very, very important. Sometimes it's easy to forget where we were or where we would be without vaccines. I certainly oppose House Bill 248. And as you know, Christina Hagan, you and I have both been very vocal in supporting Jennifer Gross and her sponsorship of this bill, which is the anti-vaccine discrimination bill, meaning, uh, or the anti-discrimination over vaccine bill, meaning that you can't bar people from admission or uh, from going to school or whatever if they are unvaccinated. People have the right to make their own choices. I've been hoping that this thing gets out of committee and gets passed by the General Assembly, but it looks like it doesn't matter if it is. A veto stamp is, uh, is on its way for Mike DeWine. Yeah, so I, you know, I watched his remarks, and I always try to take everything into consideration, but it's hard to even take somebody seriously who's standing in front of a TV screen that reads the latest Vaximilian winners. You know, when we are in full-blown, full-blown coercion of forcing people into medical decision-making, bribery, um, here's why you should do it. You're going to win a million dollars. I mean, it's any logical person could look at that and say, that's odd. Why would I need to be incentivized by a million dollars to do something that should be perfectly good for my health? Shouldn't the data just bear that out? And it should be compelling to me as an individual American to want to receive this healthy vaccine. But that's not the case here. And so that's why House Bill 248 is essential and vital to sustaining our rights. And really, it's an extension of what already exists for our school children, which is so often covered up and buried by school systems to not allow parents to know that they do have rights to know and understand what they have to provide a school, a government data repository. Um, I've recently run into instances with my own daughter where um, people were accessing medical records that they had no permission to access, and they were going into repositories. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The overreach is unbelievable. So Household 248 is our lifeboat in the state. Ohioans need to rise up all over the state, and I will tell you, they are. I mean, there is... There's no way legislators are getting away with not standing for individuals' rights, not, you know, extending that philosophical, medical, or religious exemption to adults, who are, by the way, the people that put food on the tables for our students who go to school. And if they're injured or medically harmed or even worse, experience a fatality, then we don't have heads of households. So it is absolutely essential that we protect people's rights. I mean, this goes further I can't tell you how discriminated against I feel and what I experienced when I walk into a store thinking, you know, I'm not wearing a mask and I didn't have the vaccine. I'm not going to have the vaccine. And I have to wonder, is somebody going to approach me and try to in- inquire about my medical records? Disgusting. And this bill would protect individual Ohioans from having these inquiries made upon them and from being forced to have vaccine as a term of employment and being forced to answer questions about if they have the right to not wear a mask like their vaccinated peer 
in the United States of America, in this state, in Ohio. So I look at this as the governor made statements that proved to us we are in the opposite of a situation like Florida, where the governor is fighting for freedom, fighting for personal autonomy, fighting for the rights of individuals. This just told me that we are on our own as Ohioans to go and fight the fight, to be present at the state house, to make our voices heard, and to ensure that we are unwilling to have our rights stripped away from us. And I'm thankful for the more than 800 people that submitted testimony to that tune to the state legislature. I don't remember in my time over eight years, 800 pieces of testimony arriving on my desk for any one single bill, including the budget. So people are awake. People are expressing their desire to be free. And just because one person stands up um, and waves their wand and happens to have uh, financial interest in vaccinating Americans, um, that does not, that's not going to sit well long-term. So thank, I'm so thankful for her leadership. Yeah, I, I am too. And I'll tell you what, um, what you were talking about, about workplaces that require people who are not vaccinated to wear masks, they don't have to ask you what your medical records are now. They know because that mask becomes the scarlet letter. If you are not wearing a mask, you exactly. are, of course, uh, you know, part of the, part of the uh, clean crowd that got your vaccination. But if you are wearing that mask, that is your scarlet letter that says you are part of the great unwashed and you shall be shunned accordingly. Um, and that just simply cannot be allowed. But I know that it is. My wife works in a place where that is the policy right now, and it's disgusting. Exactly. Uh, let's, and this let's happened move on. with flu vaccines, too. This happened with flu vaccines, with stickers on badges, with masks on face, right. extra requirements for people who are perfectly healthy but must be scarlet lettered. Exactly right. Christina, I want to talk about uh, uh, one other thing with respect to students, uh, and that is the ongoing debate over critical race theory. The Florida Board of Education just approved Governor Ron DeSantis's, uh order banning critical race theory from being taught in the classrooms. That is enormous. In Iowa, the governor there has signed a bill banning critical race theory. This is happening in a lot of different places, but not Ohio. Ohio's Board of Education is still uh, discussing and, and listening to testimony a little bit, I guess. But uh, Mike DeWine has made no move whatsoever to ban critical race theory in uh, uh, K through 12 schools in the state of Ohio, the way many other great governors are doing in their states. What does that tell you? It tells me we're in trouble. Um, it tells me parents have the direct and implicit responsibility across the entire state to personally monitor every piece of curriculum, reading, materials that are coming across our kids' desks. And we need to be calling our legislators. I actually talked to two parents um, just within the last three days who are sounding the alarm bell. They're like, hey, I've never been extremely involved, but I am now because I'm seeing what's happening and it's happening quickly. The reality is this is all just rearing its ugly head. It's been at least six, seven, eight years in the works. All of this has been very intentionally taught to our educators, our frontline support of our students, and whether they say, you know, equity training is just a matter of making sure there's the same number of boys as girls in an art class or not, we know that that is pulling the wool over people's eyes. The reality is this is poisonous, disgusting stuff intended to divide, intended to destroy our culture, Um, and it's our responsibility to fight back. I'll tell you, it's not just education. It's Nickelodeon, Disney. Um, we've got SpongeBob SquarePants. We've got, you know, 13, 14 shows easily mainstream that are promoting and singing 
and integrating LGBT buzzwords across. So parents are underwater here. We, we don't really have a lifeboat outside of demanding that at least at the very minimum in our education system in the state of Ohio, we stop critical race theory, we stop comprehensive sex education, and we stop social emotional learning. So I thank God for organizations like Ohio Value Voters who are creating a heat map where parents can personally report incidents of such poison in our children's curriculum, classrooms, um, their discussions in public instruction, and we can start reporting, almost like the VAERS reporting system. We as citizens are the only hope for finding transparency in what's actually going on because we're not being told um, the full plan. So like the VAERS reporting system where you have an incident of injury, you report that personally. This is the same thing. Our education system, we have to start talking as parents when we see something. So the whole see something, say something, fully applicable in the situation. I'll tell parents, you have the right to inspect your chair, children's curriculum. The Ohio Vice Code under Section 3313.60 gives you that right. And in full writing and statement there, you can look and see how to request this curriculum so that you can help stop it. But it's our obligation as parents to be ever present. And this is going to start by replacing school leadership and all the administrators that are unwilling to fight back against us. I think we can advocate with our legislators for vouchers um, to be administered in schools where they demand to have this poison taught, that parents will have opportunity to pull their children out. And that, like it always does, where there is funding correlated that will be the only thing that stops this poison from coming into our classroom. I love the language. It is exactly that. It's poison. It is It is poison, and poison is deadly. And this will be deadly to the United States, to our children, and so much more uh, if it is allowed to pervade and, and invade our uh, educational system. Christina Hagen laying it out as uh, she does so well. That's why we have her on every Friday. Terrific uh, conversation. Thanks for the analysis, Christina. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too, Bob. All right. 10.52. I've got time for a few more if you want to dial now. 216-901-0945. Right back. Okay, 10.55. Let's get a couple more in before we are done. At the top of this hour, uh, Andy is in Middleburg Heights. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Andy. Go, Andy, go ahead. Good morning, sir. I'll make this kind of short. Okay. You know, uh, I wish, you know, and I, this is no disrespect to you. I love you to death. I listen to your show every day. But they got to quit calling this a vaccine. It's not. It's an experimental drug. And if they would if they would explain this to people that it's an experimental drug, not a, a vaccine takes 15 to 20 years. Every one of these animals that they tested this on died. I mean, this is going to have ramifications for this is population, depopulation control, and people can't see it. You know, somebody asked me the other day, he said, were you vaccinated? I said, yeah, I'm 80 years old. I said, 78 years ago, diphtheria, measles, mumps, we had all them. Those were vaccinations that were kept going for 10 to 12 years before they gave it to you, not not six months to a year. And that, with, with that in mind, and then the other thing, I get so tired of hearing about Maybe I'm wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong, I accept that. Okay. Why are we calling these, what you played in the beginning, uh, President Reagan says, we are Americans. That's his last three words he says that sticks in my mind. And all these people, 
He said, uh, Asian Americans, black Americans, African Americans, if you're living in America and you're a citizen, you're American of African descent. You're an American of Jewish descent. You're American of Muslim descent. Why don't they do that instead of putting, if their countries are so great, I'll, I'll contribute a dollar, send them all back. Send them back to the country. If you don't like the United States, what you you and I made all these years, if you don't like it, leave. And with that, sir, I, I thank you very much for taking I, my time. I appreciate your phone call, Andy. Thank you. Real quick, I'll respond to both those issues. Number one, you're right about the Moderna and Pfizer uh, drugs. They are experimental drug cocktails. They are not vaccines. The Johnson & Johnson is a traditional vaccine in that it is made up of dead viral particles of the uh, COVID-19 virus and thus created into a vaccine to be injected so that one is a vaccine the johnson and johnson the other two are not as for uh what you just said about america first i agree wholeheartedly you know the america first policies put forth by donald trump and supported by conservatives do mean literally let's put our country before others but in name as well that's what you're saying instead of indian american or african american or european american or mexican american or blank american how about american first America should come first. I saw a story I didn't talk about on the air this week, but there was a graduation of a, a high school in California where a student was denied his diploma because he approached the uh, podium to receive his diploma draped in a Mexican flag. And they, they said, no, you got to take that off or you can't have this. That's not this how this works. And, of course, the outrage, oh, my gosh, that's racist, and so on and so forth. And all of the students <coughs> rally around the other student but nobody stopped to ask or answer that one question are you graduating from a high school in mexico no you're not you're graduating from a high school in the united states which means you chose this country or your family did over that one you want to drape yourself in anything drape yourself in an american flag not a flag of a foreign country America should come first. Andy, it's a great call. I'm going to end on it. Thanks uh, so much to everybody for being uh, part of the show today. Great conversations all the way around. Have a safe weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye.